no one is asking you in that moment to disavow or change your viewpoint or to agree to something that you're not prepared to agree to. It's just asking you to have a different experience of the person with whom you're in conflict. Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful. I'm Jordan Friedman. The definition of stress is the body's response to threats and demands. It's the body's way of getting us ready to fight or flee those threats and demands, whether we actually need to or not. And that response commonly involves a pounding heart, faster breathing, muscle tension, sweating, anger, upset, and more. So disagreements and conflicts with others are pretty much guaranteed to make us feel stressed and upset and bad. There is a way to diffuse these conflicts and the stress they spawn, but it's a strategy that way too many of us are ignorant of or ignore in favor of hostility, passive and active aggression, regrettable communication, or ceasing of communication or relationships altogether. Chris Sorensen is an expert in this potentially less stressful and less destructive way of reacting to and dealing with disagreements and conflicts, and he makes his living guiding people through this often healthier and more successful alternative. We're really lucky because he's in the Chill Factory today as our free guide, and what he has to say has the profound ability to make our lives less stressful. Based in New York City, Chris has been a family and divorce mediator and collaborative lawyer for 25 years. He's a graduate of Harvard Law School, has a master's in social work from New York University, and did his training as a relational psychoanalyst at the National Institute for the Psychotherapies. The first part of our conversation focuses on the practice of mediation, and then we get to how you can make the mediation mindset automatically de-stress lots of different kinds of disagreements and conflicts that you may be experiencing now or ones that will most certainly come along in the future. And stay tuned to the end of the conversation because I'll teach you a technique that can get you into the mediation mindset even faster. I started by asking Chris, what is mediation? Mediation is a conflict resolution process in which a third party neutral, the mediator, is charged with understanding and fleshing out the needs and concerns and interests of each of the participants to the mediation, sometimes helping the participants to to articulate their needs and concerns in a way that can be heard. And ultimately, once people's needs and concerns are articulated, to try to, because remember, there's a conflict involved, to brainstorm with the clients possible solutions for attempting to resolve whatever the issues are that are in dispute in a way that meets as many of those needs and interests as possible. And what are situations where mediation would be used? First of all, I think we mediate, or ideally we mediate every day, all day. But the formal topics that most often, where mediation is most often used, would be, for example, in my practice, 
I deal with family mediation. So I am mediation, mediating divorces, family-owned business disputes, conflicts among siblings that might be over a deceased parent's will, or it might be long-term care for an elderly parent. But mediation is also used in schools, in the workplace, in business. And again, all of these are opportunities for people to communicate directly with each other about the matters that are causing difficulties with the facilitation of the third-party mediator rather than doing so through attorneys or through physical combat or through unhelpful uh, exchanges that aren't going to lead to any meaningful resolution. And given what you just said about where mediation can be used, and I know it was only a partial list, in your experience, how can mediation help people to be less stressed? One of the benefits of mediation in terms of stress is that the mediator and the process of mediation is not intentionally trying to add stress to an already difficult situation. We're trying to reframe things that may be said in a a toxic or stressful manner. We're trying to reframe things in a way that is low conflict, that gets one's viewpoints across, but brings the heat down in the room. The other big benefit, the participants remain in control of the decision-making at all times. So if you go before a judge, you're putting your strongest argument forward, so is the other side, and you don't know how the judge is going to rule. And in fact, the ruling is, is really out of your control, except to the extent that you make compelling arguments. In mediation, the mediator has no power to decide anything. The mediator really is in charge of the process of how we have our conversations and what kind of language we use and how do we reframe things to, to make sure that, that each person's viewpoint is heard and acknowledged and understood. And studies indicate that, that mediated agreements tend to be adhered to much more often than an order of a court or someone else who's in authority because uh, the people who have made the decisions, the participants in the mediation, have a, have a big stake in the process. They have ownership over it. And also, I would say mediation is often conducted among people who have an ongoing relationship of some kind. They're going to be co-parents if they're divorcing for the rest of their lives. They're going to be siblings for the rest of their lives. They are in school together or they are in the workplace together. And so the likelihood of being able to coexist and have some kind of relationship uh, on an ongoing basis is also enhanced by the mediation process. Both the tone of it and the process of simply being together in a room can facilitate the ongoing relationship. Now, recognizing that no two mediations are the same, 
are there markers? Is there a one, two, three, four process that all or most mediations go through? Yes. And of course, the markers are, are to some extent going to be dependent on the subject matter. But I would say that most mediations would contain the following elements. The first would be deciding what is the subject matter that we are going to be discussing? What's the end goal? And some guidelines for how we're going to be discussing that. The next stage is information gathering. The third step after information gathering is understanding the viewpoints of each of the participants, really digging down to understand what's important. Why is that position so important? What's underneath it? What's driving it? Both so that each participant can have a greater understanding of what their true needs and interests are, but also hopefully be able to hear what the other person's needs and interests are. And that, again, is something that mediation alone asks of people. And it can be challenging, challenging to hold two viewpoints at the same time, but really that's the key to the most successful, the most optimal outcome. Then the final step is to brainstorm possible solutions without judgment. So everything goes up for consideration. That's where the creative juices are flowing. When you don't feel inhibited that you're going to be judged for just an idea. And then it's kind of a process of elimination or a refining and a discussion and a narrowing of all the possible solutions. What are the ones that are most uh, uh, acceptable, workable, and meet the needs and interests of both people? You are schooled in mediation. This is your profession. You're well-trained. You have years and years of experience. For Listeners who don't have that experience, can the regular person, if you will, be a successful mediator, small m, without training? And I assume the answer is probably yes. So if, if it is, if you agree with that, are there a few things that you would pull out from everything you've discussed so far, especially the milestones or steps in the formal mediation process, are there a few things that you could pull out to say, these are really important things to think about when you're trying to mediate some kind of disagreement in your family, at the dinner table, uh, at work, in other situations? Absolutely. And anyone can mediate in their daily lives and if one walks around thinking with a mediation mindset, it's going to have an impact on your, your day-to-day interactions. So I would say the key here, whether you're acting truly as a mediator between two other people in your family or whether you're using mediation skills in a one-on-one, is the idea of holding two things at the same time, which is not an easy proposition. One is 
understanding what your viewpoint is on a particular matter and why you have that viewpoint. And the second is being interested, being curious enough to want to understand what the other person's viewpoint is on the same matter. And and not just what their viewpoint is, but again, to understand deeper, on a deeper level, what's important to them about it. You have to start with the assumption that the other person has a viewpoint and it is a valid one and there are reasons for it and that you're curious about them. I think we can all come up with examples, whether it's coworkers or friends, children, parents, it, it really, the possibilities are endless, but it does, it does require us to be thinking that my view is not the only view. It's not necessarily the right view. And this is an opportunity for learning, communication, connection, connection. Conflict is an opportunity to enhance a relationship rather than to destroy it or to keep it ossified in a certain dynamic that isn't satisfying. Just a little while ago, you used the term mediation mindset. And A, I think I may call this episode mediation mindset. But B, it feels like that is an answer to my last question, which is how would you suggest people use mediation in their lives? How can they make it an automatic stress reducer when dealing with stressful situations? It's a wonderful question and and one that I had not thought of in that way before. I, I think it could be as simple as you pass by or you're meeting with someone with whom you're having a disagreement. And your first thought, your automatic response may be, I'm frustrated with this individual. I'm angry with this individual. I don't see why he or she can't see it the same way I do. And I would say, taking that idea of mediation mindset, if you could just introduce the idea in in your mind at that moment of, that's somebody who has a different perspective on a topic that I do. Viewing that person as a human being who has a different perspective, that alone might trigger a a reduction in stress if you were able to take it even further. And this requires some courage and say, and I'm curious I want to know more about that person's perspective. I certainly want that person to understand my point of view more, but I'm interested in knowing more. It shifts things from the adversarial winner-takes-all approach that we are raised with, particularly in in this society to to some extent, and it kind of disarms it and replaces it with an opportunity for growth, for an improved relationship, for learning. And again, no one is asking you in that moment to disavow 
or change your viewpoint or to agree to something that you're not prepared to agree to. It's just asking you to have a different experience of the person with whom you're in conflict. And I think you could probably answer the question, what does that do to the nervous system and you know other, other automatic responses when we feel that we're in danger? Yeah, the brief answer is that it takes one from a state of feeling challenged uh, of having a demand upon them and converts it to, as you said, one of inquiry and empathy. Why is that person doing that? Why do they feel this way? And on a very daily, basic level, Chris, the next time somebody does not look behind them when I'm about to follow them through an open door and lets the door close right on me instead of getting stressed about it and feeling, what is wrong with that person? I will take what you've just said. I will try to take what you've just said and turn it into, that person probably has so much on their mind that they're not even thinking that anyone might be coming up through the door behind them. I wonder what they're thinking about. Already that feels um, less stressful to me than stewing about and really getting angry that somebody could be so inconsiderate and disrespectful. So, So thank you for that. The effect is, is, is immediate, really. It is immediate. Even if you never do have that conversation with that person, it's, it's a way of viewing the world. It reminds me of your, you don't know what you don't know about the assumptions that we make about what's going on in someone else's mind, as opposed to either asking them or just saying, I'm making an assumption and I really don't know. Yeah, thank you. I forgot about you don't know what you don't know. But yes, that's a that's a way of making this more automatic. Just go to that concept, that phrase to flip that switch from anger to something that feels more comfortable and less stressful. And as you've said several times during this discussion, it doesn't mean that you're feeling angry or thinking that someone should hold the door for you no matter what. It doesn't mean that that's wrong or bad or mm. there's something wrong with you, but mm-hmm. doing something so that you're just not stressed all the time. So that is a great strategy. Chris Sorensen, thank you so much for your wisdom about mediation, your your profession of mediation, and then also how we can all use it in our everyday lives to reduce our stress. This is going to be an episode that I, for sure, will go back and listen to again because there's there's so much in it to make life less stressful. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Chris Aronson is a family and divorce mediator and collaborative lawyer, and you can learn more about him and mediation in the show notes. Do you drive? Maybe you're driving right now. 
You see that thing in front of you called the dashboard? It's there to give you a quick read of what's going on in your vehicle, to let you know if you're going too fast or if you need gas or if the tires need air. It helps prevent breakdowns and costly repairs and speeding tickets. You as a person also have a dashboard that can help you stay energized and avoid repairs and keep on the road to your destinations. But unlike your vehicle's dashboard, you probably don't check it very often. So here's a quick exercise called Check Your Dashboard. With your eyes open or closed, think about how you feel. Now direct your attention to your head and the areas around your eyes, your temples, mouth, and jaw. How do they feel? Move down to your neck and shoulders. How do those areas feel? Now focus on your chest and back. Move to your arms, hands, and fingers. Think about how they feel. Now think about your stomach, abdomen, and lower back. Move down to your butt and your thighs, to your lower legs, feet, and toes. How are they feeling? You've just checked your own dashboard, and if you feel fine and all of your body areas feel fine, great. But if you answered that first question, how do you feel, with something like, I feel tired, or I feel down, or I feel hungry, or angry, that's an indicator to do something to address those feelings. It could be something as simple as stretching, or taking a walk, or eating lunch, or adopting the mediation mindset. If you felt eye strain, or that you were starting to get a headache, those would be indicators to rub around your eyes with clean palms or to take a break from looking at your device screen. Doing so can relax your muscles and prevent a worse headache or even a migraine. You probably don't ignore what your car's dashboard is telling you, so don't ignore what your body's telling you. Use this check your dashboard exercise once or twice an hour to prevent problems and to keep running smoothly to your destinations. And now you can check your dashboard anytime with the help of a guide on the Chill Factory app. Just download the Chill Factory from the App Store or Google Play and enter the password MEDIATE so that you and 25 other listeners can enjoy all of the app's features for free for one year from the original post date of this episode. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's more at thechillfactory.net. And as psychoanalyst M. Esther Harding said, conflict is the beginning of consciousness. <laughs>